1: The Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek, digital editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore in the Catholic Review. On December 8th, Pope Francis announced that he was inaugurating a universal year of Saint Joseph. Who was Saint Joseph, and why should Catholics today cultivate a devotion to the husband of Mary and the foster father of Jesus? On today's show, we'll talk about it with Father Donald Fest. Father Fest is a member of the Josephites, a religious society based in Baltimore that provides ministry to African Americans. The Josephites currently serve in the Baltimore-Washington area, New Orleans, the Gulf Coast, other parts of the American South, and as far west as Los Angeles. Father Fest was a longtime pastor at St. Veronica in the Cherry Hill section of Baltimore, and now serves as pastor of St. Joseph in Alexandria, Virginia. Father Fest, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio.
2: Thank you for inviting
1: me. Your community, the, the Josephites, trace their origins back to the Mill Hill Josephites, who came to Baltimore right after the Civil War from England to minister to African Americans. And your religious community, the Society of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart, split from the Mill Hill Fathers in the 1890s, and you continued that ministry to African Americans. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Cardinal Herbert Vaughan, who founded the Mill Hill Fathers because he had such a tremendous devotion to St. Joseph. He actually wrote a book about St. Joseph. And he also gathered more than 150,000 petitions that he sent to the Pope at the time to have St. Joseph named patron saint of the Universal Church, which Pope Pius IX did 150 years ago. And it just happened to be the exact date on which the anniversary of which uh, Pope Francis announced the current year of St. Joseph. So with all that history, I I guess it makes it extra special for the Josephites to have this year of St. Joseph after all that history.
2: Oh, yeah. We've been waiting for this for a long time. I I might mention that Pope Pius IX also was the one that sent Vaughn's men uh, to Baltimore to minister to the freed slaves. So uh, not only did he uh, put the church under the patronage of Joseph as the patron, but also sent uh, the Josephites Uh, Cardinal Vaughn's men to Baltimore to, as I said,
1: minister to the newly
2: freed slaves.
1: And that was at St. Francis
2: Xavier? St. Francis Xavier in Baltimore, Maryland,
1: yes. Mm -hmm. And over the course of of this long history, I I know the Josephites have been petitioning for a year of St. Joseph. We have. uh, As long as I've been a Josephite, uh,
2: which is over 50 years, uh we have uh petitioned uh that there be a year of Saint Joseph because uh we feel that devotion to joseph was neglected or not as as uh celebrated as other saints.
1: Why do you think that was why why did it take all these years all these centuries?
2: I have no idea uh <laughs> when when you look at uh Joseph's role in the coming of the Lord God as man on earth, you know, he played a very instrumental role, not only for the birth of Christ, but also for the protection of him as he was a boy and then as a young man uh, until Joseph would die. And there's very little... Uh, you know, celebration that was made of him uh, up until this time. So
1: it's long overdue is
2: my uh, point.
1: Well, you we have mentioned the founder of the Mill Hill Fathers, Cardinal Vaughan. I, I think his mother is actually just as interesting as Cardinal Vaughan because she has a, a real rich history in promoting vocations right within her family. Uh, her name was Elizabeth Louisa Rolls Vaughan. And she was the mother of 13 children, one of whom died soon after birth. But it is said that she prayed in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day, asking God that one of her children would answer the call to religious life. And it wound up uh, that five of her daughters became nuns, and then six of her, sons, her, six of her eight sons became priests, and three of those were bishops, including Cardinal Vaughn. So she, she left quite a legacy there. And Could you talk about her devotion to St. Joseph? I, I know she had a devotion to the saints that she kind of imparted to her children, and especially Cardinal Vaughn?
2: Correct. And uh, she's the one that inspired within him devotion to St. Joseph that would guide him uh, uh, throughout his whole life. And and even in founding this religious community of men, uh, that his idea was that as Joseph was the one that took Jesus to a foreign pagan land, Egypt, that Vaughn wanted to bring his men to uh, foreign lands that uh, did not know Jesus, did not know Christ. And so uh, he called Joseph the first missionary, which indeed he was, taking Jesus to Egypt, a pagan land. So he wanted his men to be under the protection and patronage of of Joseph. And that whole devotion was instilled in him by his mother, uh, whom you just mentioned, and uh, stayed with him for his whole life.
1: And she actually died quite young. I think she was 42, or in her early, early 40s when she died.
2: With all those kids, I'm sure it was a
1: strain,
2: but she considered it a blessing. And you know, unlike mothers of today who worry, can we afford a child? you know back in those days, and even uh fifty years ago in our own country, people just had babies uh because uh that's what you did, and uh you know if you had a baby, you accepted it lovingly from God and didn't worry about it today. Before anyone has a child, uh they're wondering, can they afford it and I would say, well, if you think if you're wondering if you can afford it and not put it in the hands of God, then maybe you can't afford it. It's God that makes these things possible and she, his mother, understood that, and Joseph, being the patron of family and family life she felt would take care of them and
1: uh her children what impact has saint joseph had on your own life and vocation and ministry
2: well i always since uh i would say since the second grade i had a devotion to saint joseph which began uh when at christmas time as every parish would put up the nativity scene within the church itself as I looked at the the uh, scene, the nativity scene. I, I looked at Joseph, and I saw the look on his face, which was one of pride, but also a, a tad bit worried, uh, as he looked at Mary and Jesus. Uh, and uh, you know, it made me wonder, what is he thinking about? Uh, is he worried about what's next, or how will he uh, keep this child and, his, and the mother safe? Uh, they're on this journey. They're in Bethlehem and far away from uh, their home in Nazareth. So that image of Joseph struck me, and from that moment on, he became, uh, I call him my friend. He, I say he befriended me with that look. So I always looked to Joseph as someone as an inspiration for my life. And when uh, that that developed, and over the years, when I knew I had a vocation to be a priest, I wrote to several different religious orders, maybe 30 of them, and got the literature from them. And uh, the only one that had the name St. Joseph, in their title was the Josephites, St. Joseph's Society of the Sacred Heart. As soon as I saw that, I said, this is what I want to be, a Josephite, a son of St. Joseph as a member of this religious community. I didn't know much more about that, but the name is what struck me, and then I uh, I knew at that time, this was probably in the sixth grade, I knew uh, three things. I knew I wanted to be a missionary. I knew it was to be in the United States, not a foreign land. And I knew it wasn't to be in my hometown, uh, which was Pittsburgh. So Josephites fit all three of those uh, criteria and... Uh, Three years later, I was at our minor seminary in
1: uh, Newburgh, New York, starting to be a Josephite priest. And how long have you been a Josephite now?
2: Uh, 43 years as a priest.
1: Uh, Add 13 to that.
2: And uh, so that would be 56. Uh, That's how long I've been with the Josephites. Uh
1: Yeah. Well, our guest today is Josephite Father Donald Fest, and we're talking about St. Joseph and the year of St. Joseph. You're listening to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Madisek. We'll be back in a moment.
3: Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. A U.S. government forensic team announced March 4th it has identified the remains of Father Emil Capon, a priest of the Diocese of Wichita, who was an Army chaplain and died in a Chinese prisoner of war camp during the Korean War. Father Capon, a candidate for sainthood, was a U.S. Army chaplain in World War II and the Korean War. The U.S. Defense POW, MIA Accounting Agency, also known as DPAA, made the announcement about the priest's remains. Father Kapon was among the unidentified soldiers buried in the National Cemetery of the Pacific in Hawaii. Remains of many U.S. soldiers were moved from North Korean burial sites to Hawaii in the 1950s and the 1990s. Father Kapan was known for risking his life on the battlefield during the Korean War, ministering to troops on the front lines. He was taken a prisoner of war in November 1950, enduring a brutal captivity where he continued to serve and bolster the morale of his fellow prisoners. Father Capon died in a prison camp on May 23, 1951. In a 2013 White House ceremony, he was awarded the Medal of Honor posthumously for his heroic actions on the battlefield. It's the United States' highest military honor. In 1993, Father Capon was named a Servant of God, signifying that his cause for sainthood could officially begin. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the virtual newsroom of The Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks.
4: With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com.
0: This is Archbishop William Laurie of
1: Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Madasek. Today we're talking about St. Joseph and the Year of St. Joseph and our guest is Father Donald Fest, a Josephite priest and a former pastor of St. Veronica in the Cherry Hill section of Baltimore, and he is now the current pastor of St. Joseph in Alexandria, Virginia. Father Fest, we often hear St. Joseph described as the silent saint, uh, mostly due to the fact that there's no quote from him in scripture. Could you talk about St. Joseph as the silent saint?
2: Well, he, uh Joseph got all his messages from uh, God in his sleep. So you might call it a and saint of a good night's sleep. and of mm-hmm. dreams. That's a, it, Which uh, is reminiscent of the Old uh, Testament Joseph who also had these dreams and was able to interpret them. So Joseph in his dreams was told by God what to do. And the Amazing thing is is that Joseph in his own uh humbleness and uh in his own docility to the will of God, did what he was told to do, that it was okay to take Mary as his wife, and that the child would be the child of God. He was to name the child Jesus. And that uh, when the child was born, that he had to take him into uh, Egypt uh, for fear of what Herod would do to the newborn uh, son of God. So he does, takes him into this foreign land, a pagan land. And then God speaks to him again in another dream and tells him it's okay to go back home where... He would take Mary and Jesus to Nazareth where he would raise him up. And as we all know, that Joseph was a carpenter. And As in those days, the father would teach his son uh, the skills of his own trade. And so uh, we know that he probably uh, taught Jesus how to be a carpenter and also uh, how to... Uh, know God, love God, and serve God as he himself did uh, throughout his life. He's silent, you know, he doesn't say a word in the scriptures, uh, which is another thing that attracted me to him, that uh, there's not one word that's uttered by him except for all that we see is his actions. So actions speak
1: louder than words when uh, St. Joseph is depicted in religious art, you often see an elderly man holding a lily. But I know there's a lot of thinking among Scripture scholars today that St. Joseph, he was likely older than Mary, but he wasn't a frail elderly man. He was quite a vigorous man of action. Is that right?
2: I would think so. Uh, Well, first of all, he has to do all this traveling. Uh, He has to go on that journey to Bethlehem because of the census. And so that's, you know, the mode of transportation where your two legs and Mm -hmm. we always see Mary on a mule uh, or a donkey and um, him leading her. So he had to do that. He also had to uh, go into Egypt, uh, another journey, and then back to uh, Bethlehem, back to Nazareth. And that was going through a desert. So I don't think any old man... Uh, would be able to do all that. I think they like to portray him as old uh because of his um relationship with Mary. Uh so they wanted to show I believe someone that was safe, so they made him old. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine him being old at all with all that he had to do.
1: Saint Joseph is known as one of the powerful intercessors. I people go to him for everything from selling their homes there's that tradition of bearing a statue of Saint Joseph upside down when you're trying to sell your home and i know he's also invoked for financial situations and help with family life and a lot of different causes um what makes him such a powerful saint and such a powerful intercessor
2: well i don't i don't know except for i think a lot of people are drawn to him because of what they saw or see in the life of Jesus in his infancy, in his birth, in his uh, growing up years. So he's a protector. Uh, he protected Mary when she was pregnant without being duly married. He protected her and her reputation. So he, then they go to uh, to Bethlehem and he can't find a place for them to stay. So he protects, his wife, and his uh, soon-to-be child. And then uh, he keeps, you know, the whole thing he does is protect, protect, protect. And so I think people see that, and they want a protector. They want someone strong. They want someone who knows what it's like to be without. uh, Someone who is uh, a home life man, a of families, as we call him. And as far as the house goes, I would think that's because they couldn't find a house to have the child born. And so he's invoked as uh, a patron to help someone either find a house or sell a house. I just had a, uh, a card come to me this past week of a person saying that that he prayed to St. Joseph to help him find a location for his business. And he found it in four days. Mm. So uh, he he attributes that to Joseph. But if you're poor and if you uh, are in danger of uh, not having the rent or not having a job and needing one, Uh, people go to Joseph as long as I've known him and his reputation.
1: The Josephites, your your religious community, are known for promoting the 30 Days Prayer to St. Joseph, and that's actually underway right right now. It culminates on the Feast of St. Joseph, which is March 19th. Could you explain what the 30 Days Prayer is to St. Joseph? I don't think a lot of people are familiar with it.
2: Probably not, but uh, it is said for 30 days. It doesn't have to be any particular 30 days. You just do it for 30 days. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what it celebrates uh, are the joys and the sorrows of St. Joseph. And so as you pray for your special intention, uh, you're praying uh, to his intercession because We know he suffered, you know, a lot of pain, uh, sorrows, and finding a place to have the child born and then to take him into Egypt and losing the child in the temple. These are some of the sorrows of St. Joseph. Being in the temple and hearing Simeon tell the, uh, you know, that a sort of sorrow will pierce the mother, his wife Mary, you know, that was another one of the sorrows. And then, of course, the joys were uh you know finding a place uh for Jesus to be born finding uh, well finding the way to Egypt to keep him safe, finding him in the uh temple uh after losing him, and then uh having him at home with him, growing up. Uh, with Jesus and Mary right there in the house with them. These are some of the joys of St. Joseph, as well as uh, having Mary assumed into heaven and he himself going in to heaven to be with her uh, in the kingdom of God forever, for being a good and loyal and faithful servant to Christ. So these are some of the joys And sorrows. There's uh, seven sorrows and seven joys of uh, St. Joseph that are, you know, traditional.
1: Uh, And the number 30 represents the number of years that St. Joseph was with the Holy Family on Earth?
2: Yes. Uh, We don't know when Joseph died, but We know that Jesus began his public life at around age 30, so Joseph is not mentioned anymore. So we attribute uh, probably Jesus was about 30 when uh, he died, so uh, that's the 30-day prayer in honor of the 30 years that we assume. We don't
1: know, but we assume that he's found with Jesus and Mary. We have about 30 seconds left. I, I just wanted to mention that in the year of St. Joseph, in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, there are nine churches named for St. Joseph that you can visit uh, on pilgrimage, and there's a, you can obtain special plenary, plenary indulgences announced by the Vatican, and we'll put some of this information up on our website at catholicreview.org. But, Father, for us, could you talk about the value of making a pilgrimage in this year of St. Joseph? Well,
2: certainly St. Joseph made pilgrimages. Uh, These are religious travel. He went to Bethlehem to register for the census. He went to Egypt. He went back to Nazareth. So he certainly did the travel. And when we make a pilgrimage, we're uh, we're on a journey to be closer to God. And... uh, special places are set up for those pilgrimages such as uh, these churches that you mentioned in Baltimore named after St. Joseph and the big St. Joseph's church of course is in Montreal Canada uh, uh, on Mount Royal. so uh, a famous place for pilgrimages and pilgrimages our prayerful
1: journey. Great. Well, Father Don Fest, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio. I am uh, happy to uh, be with you guys. For Catholic Review Radio, I'm George Madasek. Thanks for listening.
3: The Catholic Review
0: is
1: the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org.
4: Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.